You are limitless, and my goal is for you to walk away from each episode believing that. What's up, party people? Welcome back to the Limitless Living podcast. Today, Limitless Living's health and fitness coach, Tanasia, and I are going to dive into staying ahead of burnout, dealing with burnout when you do arrive there, and then how you can recharge your battery to the point of energetic overflow and creativity, and just being able to come from a really, really filled up place in all that you do for your business, for your friends, for all facets of your life. So we're going to start by talking about how burnout shows up for us as individuals. Tanisha, do you want to start with this? or <laughs> Do I want to start? How does burnout show up? So I'm someone that gets really easily overwhelmed. So the first, I guess I'll call it a symptom, is overwhelm. Like massive, massive, massive overwhelm where it's almost like you're shaking the Coke bottle and it's about to pop. It's like that. And that's how I know not even that I know that I'm going to be overwhelmed because that's a, a major symptom for a lot of my other just every days. Um, but I think that's the first thing that pops up. And then it just slowly streams into like complete shutdown of mm. not even like it's, it's further of a shutdown than actual demotivation. It's more of like isolating. I need to like become an introvert, like hide, not talk, not think, pretty much not do anything, I think is how it comes up for me the most. What about you? Interesting. Okay. Before we talk about me, I'd love to hear more about, honestly, the physical sensations that come with feeling like a Coke bottle that's been shaken up, like between that Mm -hmm. state and you being totally shut down, like what does that look like for your body and the way that you're moving and operating? I think I well, we talk about this a lot, and it's a term that Tom had taught me, and it's called like monging out. So in the beginning, it starts out as like you feel like you have the weight of the world on your shoulders. You're getting so overwhelmed by every little thing. So it's almost like you start to get like really reactive and like really irritable. And you're just like not really a hundred percent aware of what's going on, but just more of like, oh, it's one of those weeks. It's one of those days. And you find yourself kind of saying that like in a progressive pattern of like, nothing's going right. It's one of those days tomorrow will be better. And it's just consecutive. And then it almost starts to get to a point where like your system is in overdrive. So like overstimulated, overwhelmed. And you're like, my clothes start to feel really like just not right on my body. And everything that I'm saying isn't coming out the right way. And I'm just like flooded with like all of this, like overthinking and thoughts. And then it just kind of turns down to like, almost like when you're shutting down a computer that has like a million programs running that when the Coke bottle kind of explodes, your computer kind of just like shuts down because it's like too much is overwhelming the system. And then that term monging out, which Tom has um, taught me, it just starts to become like this like numb feeling where it's like, you know, when you're sitting on the couch, you kind of just like sink into it. It's just that. And it's kind of like peaceful and it's a little bit quiet, but it's a little maybe concerning depending on like how bad the Coke bottle shook and exploded. And it just kind of turns into that like a retreat. Like like you're on a really quiet like desert island and then all of a sudden your body's like, oh, that's what I needed. So rest. Like, yeah. I mean, and we know that, right? Like when we're overstretched, we're overwhelmed. 
and Brene Brown talks about this with all of her technical terms, there is no option other than to do nothing. Like that mm-hmm. has to be the first step. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That makes and sense. That's the last thing you want to do though. Like, yeah. Cause that's, yes, your body is like completely fighting because you're going, you're, if we look at burnout, what is really causing it one thing after another, right? You're on auto drive without resting. And so like the one thing that you have to do is the one thing that you are the most resistant to doing because you're how could that be? How can I rest? I've got a million things to do. Exactly. And the reason that you've reached the point of burnout is because you're overwhelmed, which, you know, we only feel overwhelmed when we're trying to be too many places and have our hands in too many things at once. Like yeah. we're physically trying to pour more than what we have in the tank. We're trying to mm-hmm. like drive when our gas tank is on E. So of course we don't want to slow down and to rest, but there's no other option. So before we get into our processes, <laughs> once we've reached that point, like what the emergency break looks like <laughs> for each of us, um, I'm like sitting here thinking about uh, how does burnout show up for me, which is of course it's similar, yeah. right? I think it's very similar for everybody. I'm honestly, I felt it not long ago. So let me just channel that mm-hmm. real quick. That was me last week. <laughs> Irritability is coming up. I'm like, yep. mean, really disconnected from my friends. Like I'm not, okay. Yes. That is a huge thing. When I don't feel connected to the people that I love most in my life, my inner circle, I know something's, something's wrong. And really that, that comes down to, I'm not, I I can tell, yes, I can tell I'm really burnt out when I am not living out my values. Two of them, Mm. two very important ones being fun and life enjoyment and connection. And I'm a very intimate, deep person. So like deep connection, like really Mm -hmm. deep conversations and just really knowing what's going on with people and letting people know what's going on with me. And when I'm burnt out, those things are not happening. I'm not like really leaning into my traditions like Tuesday vacation. Mm. I'm not feeling present with Alex in the evenings. I'm not calling my friends or having friend dates multiple times a week. And that's, you know, that's when the flags really start popping up. Mm. So for me, of course, rest. But honestly, what I've realized more recently is that I run straight to connection. Yeah. Because it's such a like... It takes me from, I swear, 0% in my energetic battery to 80% charge mm-hmm. to have a deep conversation with someone that you love. Let yeah. yourself be seen, let yourself be mm-hmm. supported. And that's why I like, you know, you and I are the way we are. And we love doing yeah. what we do together and we love doing limitless living and everything together because no one else is, we talk about this a lot. No one else is on this climb with us actively, right? Like mm-hmm. Alex is, you know, standing on the other side yeah. of the mountain, you know, cheering us on. And so is Tom. And so are our other friends, but you and I are the only ones who are actively like climbing it. blood, sweat, and tears together. And so mm-hmm. for us to have this sacred space where we can come and connect and hold space for each other and listen and support and encourage Anytime we need it, I mean, that's a game changer. We say it all the time. Yeah. We would never want to do this alone. No, never. And every time we have a powwow and I'm like, oh, wow, I'm feeling a lot better right now. Or, oh, wow, like 
all of a sudden my battery is just energized because you would think that connection will deplete you. And I was going to say, like, there are times where there are certain connections with certain people that just don't serve me as the person that I am because I'm a people pleaser. So like throwing that kind of into the mix is then if you're a chronic people pleaser and like you're really just sensitive to other people's energies, like it drains you. So it's like being really, really clear on who are the people that increase your energy, who are the people that potentially drain it just because you allow them, not because they intentionally mean to do so. And then surrounding yourself around with them because like I tell my clients this all the time too, like all of you and what you have to say in your journey and all the things are not meant for everyone's ears. And it's like yeah. a perfect example of that because then like you're going and maybe you're venting to like, maybe you're not available and I'm going and I'm venting to someone else who I'm I'm trying to connect with. And then they're hitting me with solutions and it's just like not charging me. It's not because they're not in it. Just like you said, they're like, they're not with us on that journey. And then it's like, oh, you're complaining. Oh, this. And then it just, it overwhelms your system with thinking that sharing your burnout and sharing exactly what you're going through, which a lot of people can't understand or don't understand because they're not in our business. Right. And yes. then you're completely depleted to the point where you're like, oh, I'm not going to talk to anybody now. I'm not going to do anything for myself. I'm not even going to try to help myself. I'm just going to kind of sit in my own shit. Dude, I'm glad you say that because that there's a huge difference between surface level connection or confiding in someone who's not able to hold that sacred space for you versus that genuine, deep, safe connection. That is two entirely different things. Like (laughs) if you want me to be like, if you want to run me into the ground and then stomp on me and squish me into the dirt, put me in a room of people that I have to mingle with when I'm burnt out, I will die. I will crumble Mm -hmm. down into ashes and die. That is like the most draining thing for me. Like I'm a one-on-one gal. So yeah running to the wrong person or putting yourself in a situation that's, that's draining. That is, that is really real. So that, and that comes down to Mm. having your, your inner circle people, Mm -hmm. right. Which is generally like one, two, maybe three people that you can run to. Yeah. So connection being like rest, of course, connection being so healing the process for me moving out of burnout goes connection really really brings my energetic charge up and then there's more energy and space for play to Mm. get things moving like that's when okay let's have a dance party in the kitchen let's do something silly let's get a little bit of movement going like let's let go a bit Mm. and then that I've seen that take me from like 80 to 100 percent and then from there, we can go create a flow mode. Because mm-hmm. really, you can tap into create a flow on command if you know, if you can, if you have a gauge on your own energetic battery and you know when mm-hmm. you're at 100% or even above. So it's interesting because that's the process that we use to, you know, around here where fun is our success strategy. That's how we use it as a success strategy right there, what you just heard. And using those same tools, connection, creativity, and play to prevent the burnout from happening in the first place. So I'm excited about this part because you hear that and like we all have, I feel like we all try to put those things in a box and like we have these visuals of what it's supposed to look like. 
what what being creative is supposed to look like. Like a lot of people think it's like drawing and painting. For me, my biggest thing happens to be painting, but it so does not have to be like that. It can be anything. And same thing with play. Anything that is time or um, what is the definition of play? Time spent on a purposeless activity. Like you just doing something without purpose and productivity, that counts as play. And that could be anything. So we've talked a little bit about connection. Tell me what like preventative, like using connection as a preventative for burnout and using it to like funnel right into your energy and your success. What does that look like for you? It's not like we talked about this before where I knew you're going to ask this because actually like we might, we did have a basis, but like this kind of took me off guard for a second. Um, just because I kind of already knew the answer as you were talking about just like your play system and the system that like we use here, because mine is like almost slightly different. And it's because it's the preventative measure. That's what I was thinking about before. And that is working internally and maybe not necessarily like working internally, but like putting myself first in your everyday life in certain situations, because if you look at all the seasons where I'm typically burning out, you know, am I going to the gym consistently? Am I reading? Am I journaling? Am I meditating? Am I doing all the things that I do internally before I go and I outsource to connection then? Because if for me, at least, and you tell me if this happens for you too, like if I'm not internally trying to charge my battery and fill my cup, then I'm seeking it from outside sources and connection. And it's, that for me overflows my cup where if that, if that came first for me, it's very likely for me to just like drill a hole in the bottom of my cup intentionally. <laughs> and then they're, they're pouring into me and they're validating me and they're doing all of these things. And because like, I haven't set that foundation of like the internal way that I take care of myself, then it's like, not that it doesn't matter, but it's a little bit less effective for me because that's such a big pre- like preventative piece for me of, you know, what are you not doing for yourself? Then once I do it for myself, I'm jumping off the walls and Tom's like, whoa, like you are so different right now. Like what happened from yesterday? And I'm like, I I went to the gym, listened to my favorite (laughs) playlist. I did, you know, you know, whatever it is that I did. And he was just like, okay. And then he treads with caution because he's just like, I don't know what to believe right now. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. All right. I'm so glad you took it there because what I'm hearing is because there's three types of connection, really. Connection with other human beings, mm-hmm. spiritual connection, and connection with yourself, which mm-hmm. could, I mean, all of those could kind of fall under spiritual, but it's kind of, it's easier for me anyways to compartmentalize yeah. that. So like yeah. I'm hearing the meditating and like the journaling and stuff like that is connection with yourself and spiritual spiritual connection. And that has to come before connection with other people, which makes a lot mm-hmm. of sense. Yeah. Like I, I need that. Like that's my biggest preventative, which I think it, it makes sense. Like if you kind of like look back at to what I told you happens when I'm leading into burnout, it's my body's way of almost like forcing it because then like I do retreat is the final like step of like the healing process. But like, if you just look at it as like your body is just like forcing you to get to that first preventative step, like why wouldn't you do it on a day-to-day basis or on a more consistent basis? Because you know that your body's going to force you to do it anyway. So get ahead of it. And then you won't be so mad that you actually have to like take a pause. And that's a beautiful question. Why is it so hard to do the things that we know 
for fact and have proven over and over and over again that serve us. Comes We've down to just intentionality, right? Like it really just comes down to being intentional with it. Technically, yes. On the action, like looking through the lens of action, more like surface level, yes. But you and I both know <laughs> that there's shit beneath the surface that like there's narratives, there's beliefs, there's patterns, there's stories that sure. tell you that that shouldn't be the priority. Mm-hmm. Work should be the priority. What you guys talked about on your meeting should be priority literally the second after you hop off the meeting or other people <laughs> should be the priority, right? I know that's real yeah. for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a big one. I think as other people, their own urgencies and how we create them as our urgencies, um, I think you could come up with a million reasons as to why it's it's deeper for most of us than just being intentional because like it's not excuses and I do think in the fitness space at least my clients use the word excuse a lot but it's not necessarily excuses it's just it's that deeper crap that yes you're like hiding from essentially exactly exactly and it's that's the whole I mean that's why I do what I do. And you know that because yes, I'm all about a fun life and enjoying the journey and still like building your, your empire and reaching your goals while you're doing those things, which is a really tricky harmony to find. And everyone that I talk to myself and you included, like every person ever, they know exactly what they want to do to create, play, connect with other people. They know the types of friendships they want to have. They know the hobbies that they have been putting on the back burner and not taking Mm -hmm. action on forever. Okay. So it's not as simple as like, just get up and go do it. There's, there's some shit that's beneath the surface there that needs to be uprooted. That needs to be rewritten in order for you to actually follow through with living out your values, living all parts of your life that you want to. You know, and that's like, we have conversations about it all the time. So it's like, if you know what you want and you're still not doing it and you've been in this habit and you've been wanting to pick up guitar for five years and you haven't, take a microscope to that. Dig into Mm -hmm. it and get help digging into it. That is why coaches and therapists exist to take you to places of your mind, of your subconscious mind that we physically cannot access and see on our own. I was talking to someone about this yesterday. There's stuff that is so ingrained in us that we will never be able to shine a flashlight on it on our own because we've been hearing it on loop since mm-hmm. we were four years old. Someone else needs to come in and like like talk yeah. to us enough and, and pull it out of us so that they yeah. can say, oh, hey, do you hear this? Like, let me reflect this back to you. Yeah. What do you think about that now in your present day version? Is this still aligned? Do you want to keep it? Do you want to change it? And then that's where things obviously get more fun. Yeah, because you literally have someone saying, well, what about that? And you're like, well, what do you mean about that? Like, I just totally passed by that. And like, it's not important. And that's why we always say, right? Like the things that you're resisting are really the things that you either need to be doing or you need to be looking at or, you know, whatever the case is. And then I think the second part, which is what we've been talking about a lot recently, like just reflecting on 2023, is the layers to it. The, the, The layers and the levels that have to be unlocked when you think that you've healed from that super, what, what, which we have come to find out is the superficial level of it. And then it's like, you're healed from it. 
maybe you took one guitar lesson and then maybe you go to a second one and then all of a sudden three months later you haven't even looked at the guitar and then you're like well what the hell like I thought that I came to terms with everything and then you're just faced with now this next layer or level or whatever you want to look like to go even deeper into did you really set a new habit and a neuro pathway down that is completely the answer is no because if you did then you wouldn't be in this position asking me why you haven't picked up the guitar why you haven't even looked at it and that's where the practice comes in that's where and that's where in my processes things get more fun because once we've chosen the new thought the new belief the new narrative that serves us and actually mm-hmm. what we want to do it has to go into practice but it has to go into authentic practice like what is a way that you can bring this new belief and i think we're being a little vague right now so i think we should give an example like yeah if the narrative changes from work hard then play hard right but you know especially if you're embodying fun as a success strategy it has to be like <laughs> play hard and then work hard, right? Like you have to flip it. So if we know that, it's like, okay, how do we actually put that new story, that new way of of living into action in a way that is authentic to you as an individual and something that you can actually be excited about and look forward to? So for me, if I'm thinking, okay, what is it? Like, what would be really authentic for me? A way to play hard and then work hard. Hmm. my new work schedule, working at night, doing my creative work Mm -hmm. at night and letting myself sleep in and not have to like live by the nine to five, get up early, go to the gym, do this, that, the other morning routine, and then get to work. That is so dry to me. That is so dry to me. So for me, like that's, and that's me, like that's not how most people would see that, like play hard and then work hard. But that's how I see it is like mm-hmm. until the 9 a.m. and having a slow ass morning and then going to the gym and not thinking about anything work related until 12 p.m. That's so authentic to me and it serves me mm-hmm. so profoundly. What would your play hard and then work hard be? Play hard and then work hard. I think for me, And it's not necessarily like playing, but it it will turn into that. It's the space that I'm in is that has been the biggest thing for me. And I feel like I can play hard if the space feels like me and the space is authentic to me. So like anytime I come down to see you and we're at the hobbyist and I'm around all the plants and just the whole entire aesthetic, like I could be working or I could not be working. And like, for me, it's just being like grounded in that kind of environment where like that's doing the play for me essentially. Um, Because like when it comes to like timing of day, things like that, like that's really different for me, but I am a night owl like you. And I'm not surprised this was a long time coming what you've done with your schedule, by the way, Um, because you love a good morning routine. (laughs) You love a good morning routine. <laughs> She's it's been here for it. We've done it together. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, are you done yet? And you're like, no, I have another book. And then I have this. And then I have this. And I'm like, <laughs> and I literally just sit there and I'm just like, well, I'm done journaling. <laughs> and so it was a long time coming. But for me, it's not necessarily like the act of doing something, but more of like where I am. Um, I, I actually talked about this with my clients on our group call yesterday. Um, a little bit of a different situation and why, but it's just about creating an experience. And it's like, yes. how, 
how can you create like the ultimate experience? And like, I talk to my clients in a way uh, where it's more like romanticizing your life. So it's not so much of like what you're doing, but like, how are you doing it? In the height of my journey of just mindset and fitness, it was a lot of like putting myself out in nature, going outside. It was the middle of the summer when I started. So it was like the perfect opportunity in Jersey to be able to do something like that. And it was like getting the gravity chair, getting my cup of coffee, getting all of my things to then be able to do what I had to do. So for me, it's just, it's setting it up to create like a really romantic experience for myself. And then it doesn't matter what I'm doing. Mm, I'm feeling that, you know, I've been thinking about that a lot lately too, like pulling that word romanticize and romantic into mm-hmm. this whole process, because I like to think of like a couple of different things come up, like infusing fun into your life, sprinkling the fun into your life, but also just romanticizing it. Like yeah. we don't have to be time blocking big, big events and things and whatever to enjoy our life. You can just move differently and approach the regular things that you do on a daily basis in a fun or more romantic way. Just anything Mm -hmm. that's going to, just like you said, make it an experience. I mean, Mm -hmm. that's the only reason that my office is decorated the way that it is, because I am, if I'm going to be so dedicated to what I'm doing and I'm going to want to look forward to work, which is so possible for all of us, the environment and the way that I feel in this space, in my clothes and, you know, with my background is so important. It romanticizes Mm -hmm. it. Like it just feels good. And let that be enough. Let like just choosing the joy, choosing the things that make you feel good are enough because we all know very well, (laughs) (laughs) we all know very well that a lot of life does not feel good. And there's a lot of hard and a lot of discomfort Mm. and a lot of pain. So why would you not insert the fun and the enjoyment and the like romance everywhere that you can like put as much of it into your life as possible so that Mm. the pain and the discomfort is so much more tolerable. Yeah. I'm going to let that one sit for a second. That felt good. (laughs) That felt really good. That felt really good to hear. I didn't say it, but it felt really good to receive. Good. Good. Yes. I'm all about like the joy is enough. You don't have to be productive all the time. And that's again, looping back fun as a success strategy. It's so much more effective to come from that place. So we've talked about like infusing the fun, the romance into your life in little micro tiny ways. And that's where like, I typically can't give my clients a lot of guidance with that because it's a, it's a very simple thing that only you can answer. Like, mm-hmm. okay, if you're sitting at your desk, what would make this a more enjoyable experience? And then removing any judgment that comes up around your answer and just letting yourself do it because the joy is enough. So yeah. the micro infusions of the fun. Now, creativity and play. Mm-hmm. What does that look like? What does creativity look like for you? For you to exercise that and nurture that innate human skill within you, what do you do? So I have the, I have one big one and that's probably as of recent. So I'm not going to say on this podcast because I'm sure your clients are going to hear it. I'm not going to say that I'm an artist right now. <laughs> I'm not going to say that. I'm not going to say that. If, if you're watching this on the live, I don't know who's on it right now. I'm not an artist. No, I am. Um, 
And I, I bring that up because we had said it doesn't have to be art, but for me, for a really long time, it was always art. Um, and I had a really hard time, which is why this is so funny for Carrie's clients who know this, Carrie, um, because I had a really hard time even admitting that I was an artist because I wasn't someone that was actively practicing, drawing, painting. You know, I don't even really talk about it as much anymore. And I think that as I've gotten older, I've been able to prioritize other, other mediums of art that I just was not classifying as art if it wasn't traditional. So the biggest one for me right now, and I'm actually, I put it off last week because my friends came over and I really needed to do it. So I probably should make some time to do it. But I love doing my own nails. Like it is the biggest thing for me. And when I knew that we were going to talk about this, I'm like, oh my God, I can't wait to talk about it. Because if I could post my nails that I do every time I do them, a lot of people compliment them. And I'm like, thanks. Like I actually tried really hard on this. Like, thank you for noticing. Thank you for really appreciating it. And they're like, hold up. Wait, you did that yourself? And I was like, fuck yeah, I did. Like, you are really good at it. That that was me. And so I never used to classify that as art. And I don't like to talk about it because I think that there are so many amazing nail techs. One of my clients is one of the most freaking amazing nail techs that I have ever seen. And I'm like, I never want to take away from them, but it's just something that I enjoy honestly doing myself. And it's really just for the sole purpose that that is the only place that I actually paint anymore is if I'm doing it there. And I don't do it often. If anybody ever notices, I, I don't have my nails done all that often, but there will be something in me that is just like, you need to take like three hours and go full on and, and just do your sets. And then I feel, not only do I feel good, but it's a constant reminder too, on my day to day, anytime I'm doing something, I'm like, I did that. They look so mm -hmm. good. I did that. And I show up throughout my day a lot differently because I'm just like, oh, let me take a picture of my food today, even if it's the same food that I eat every day, but my nails look super good in it. And then you just like feel really good about yourself and everything that you're doing. So for me, the biggest one right now, I would say is probably doing my own, um, my own nail sets. Um, and of course, I want it to be the gym, but only when I'm in my fun era of the gym, because I am not. I'm not the biggest believer in, and this is my personal experience of going to the gym when I'm angry. If I go to the gym when I'm angry, the weights like scare me. Like I'm the one that gets scared, not them. Yeah. Like it's a really weird dynamic. Um, I can't go to the gym when I'm stressed. I cannot go when I'm angry. Like I want to be in the gym, happy, free flowing, moving my body, listening to Becky Hill, like doing all the things. And so for me, that one is is it, it's applicable depending on the season that I'm in. But when I'm like just free flowing, typically when it's summer, because we get the Jersey blues here, um, the gym is going to be like my second one that's considered play because like I'm doing the pull-ups. I'm warming up at the park down the street, you know, doing, seeing, you know, if I can actually do the monkey bars. I'm challenging myself, testing myself. So for me, like that is typically a second outlet, but I'm going to say it really does depend on the time of the year. Um, and how I'm feeling towards it because we just, we don't get along when I'm, when I'm stressed and overwhelmed and burned out. That is so interesting because generally, I think generally what you hear is that that is the outlet. And for me, that is the outlet. Like there is nothing better for me when I am stressed, anxious, angry to either mm -hmm. run or deadlift. Those two things are like 
I, it's just a channel. It's just like all of those, yeah. that physical angst just pours out of me into, yeah, into one of those two things. And you hear, again, you hear that a lot generally. Yeah. But for you. Everyone says it. It's so not that way. So why do I'm you think exception. that is? I am the exception to the rule. I don't know why. We could look at it and dissect it and say that maybe it's a resistance, that I don't want to just let the weights have all the stress and I want to hold it on to myself because if anybody knows me, I'm addicted to stress, like hardcore addicted to it, like an addict. (laughs) My body loves it. It misses it. It creates chaos and I don't have it. Um, But I, I don't think I've ever had a single moment in my life where I was angry and I left it all at the gym. Typically, if I try, because I have tried, I have tried to force it, um, I end up leaving the gym crying like 15 minutes into being there. Interesting. So I I, I want to say it's because I decided that the gym was a happy place for a really long time and it was just kind of just that for me. And a lot of my connection used to be through the gym. I used to work at a lot of gyms. I used to just like, that used to be my place. I used to go with my friends all the time, my cousins, my family kind of thing. And like, that was something that was like really, really fun for all of us. And so my connection and my play was the gym for a really long time. So if it's not that, then basically I don't want it. Okay. That makes a lot of sense. We're not going to like go into coaching session mode, even though like I want to low key right (laughs) now because you used to work at a gym and it used to be the harbor for a lot of stress and anxiety and problems for you. So of course that's, that's going to have that effect. Like there's going to be some crossover and some complexities with you trying to release stress and anxiety in the gym. (laughs) Like, no, that's to you in the back of your mind, your subconscious mind. You're like, no, this is where stress and anxiety live. Like there's no release here. This is where it happens. Yeah. Interesting. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah. So that's my creativity. And I would say that is my play most of the time because, you know, I'm not a groover. I'm not a dancer. I don't, I'll give you a little shimmy here and there. I know you're rolling your eyes because you want me to be, but I'm not, I'm not, I do move my body, but in different ways. Um, That is not dance. Unfortunately, I'll, I'll click my heels. Really? <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I actually took a page out of my girl Pearl's book. Um, you follow Pearl, right? Yeah, I love she's her. She's amazing. All yeah, she's incredible. She's all about using dance, kind of how like I use fun as a success strategy. She uses dance as um the same thing in a way, or at least like as, in a, as a form of healing. And she talks about like feeling your emotions through dancing. And I tried it not long ago. And I really liked it. Now you have to remove a lot of judgment from yourself. Like you really have to be able to not let those voices of how stupid you look or like whatever comes up for you because dancing is a, is a soft spot is a tender Mm. spot for most people. And so I get it. And for me, it's one of my baby flexes, as I like to say, in letting go of what other people think. So I'm big on like baby flexing mental muscles uh, to like build a skill that you really want to have. So if you want to be more detached from judgment of others, there's a lot of ways you can baby flex that, right? Like you can talk to strangers more often. You can dance and Mm. learn to deny those narratives that pop up. Um, What was the other one that was coming up? I just had another one in my brain with the judgment of others. Shoot. I don't remember it. Maybe it'll come back to me. Yeah. But oh, getting tattoos. 
Just <laughs> not a small thing. But last time I got like this more, like this is the most present tattoo that I have. Like I see it all the time. Other people see it all the time. At least like this one on my arm gets covered by a sleeve, right? Whereas this is rarely covered now. And when I got it, I told Alex, one thing out of many things that I love about getting tattoos is it flexes my, I cannot care what other people think muscle. Like when I got Mm. this tattoo, my family, most of my family, how many are there for three out of four, 75% of them didn't have anything nice to say. They didn't say anything mean, but it was one of those like, oh, that's, oh, Mm. no response. And (laughs) like, it's like, obviously there's like an ambivalent relationship that you have with that, but Mm -hmm. I have kind of learned to, to fall in love with like strengthening that muscle, just like in the gym, you know, you want strong legs, you want the strong body. You learn to actually enjoy the pain of pushing through those last couple reps, right? Because you know, they're making you stronger. And I've, I'm like, I love part of getting tattoos. And like, I love the fact that it pushes me to detach from the judgment of others and to not care because if I let their opinions actually matter to me, I'll crumble. It'll hurt, Mm -hmm. you know? And I like, it doesn't matter. It can't matter what they think. It's funny that you brought that up. It's so funny that you brought that up because I've told you this story too. I have a very similar experience with tattoos. I grew up in a household where you're not allowed to have them at all. So I spent five to, no, I'm not even, eight years with my hair down at home, never up. I have a tattoo behind my ear for those that don't know. (laughs) My hair had to chronically live down in the summer. And at all times, kind of when I was home, um, you should have seen Tom's face when he was watching me get a tattoo in Ireland where he was just like, oh my God, this is not it. Like, this is not it. But bringing up the judgment of others and flexing that mini muscle and just like how you like welcome it is hilarious because, and not actually funny, but in the way of, I literally used to openly tell everyone if the majority of you are doing this, I don't want to do it. And I was like the kind of angsty teenager who I was switched on. I'm telling you, it really was. And I was just like, nope, not for me. Everyone's reading Twilight. Maybe if it comes up in like five years, I'll read it. But but you're all reading it right now? No, thanks. And I like literally did everything humanly possible to like push against the grain and do the complete opposite of what everyone in the world was doing. And I didn't have a single care in the world if they were like, why? Like, do you think you're cool? Do you think you're special? Like, why do you have to go against everything? And I was just like, because I want to do my own thing. Like, I'm, I was so hell-bent on doing whatever it is that I wanted to do in the world, including getting tattoos, when my mom said I couldn't. To, like, I welcomed the judgment of others, actually, instead of, like, not caring about it. I was like, yeah, what would you say about it? And what? Mm-hmm. And now I'm just like, <laughs> the completely opposite no she still lives inside of me but I think that's a really big one is having to release the fear of judgment and flex those many muscles and I would love to know what else you do that flexes those many muscles because I don't really think I do too many now the whole um we we go to church most Sundays and our church is like a concert right so like you're mm-hmm. always next to 
strangers. You can never expect to like know anyone. It's a huge setting. And simply just, especially since it's 9 a.m. and Sis is not yeah. a morning person, simply just talking to the person next to me flexes that muscle. Mm. But then I've gotten in the habit of at the end asking people, the person next to me, how I can pray for them. And that mm. is a flex of that muscle because you don't know, especially like if they're not responsive throughout like most of, cause you know, he's like, I'll say this to your neighbor and give your neighbor yeah. a hug. And like, sometimes people are receptive and open and sometimes they're not. So mm-hmm. it's like being the one to go first and to put yourself out there. There's a lot of emotional exposure in that, right? Because there's mm-hmm. fear of rejection. So it's fear of judgment and it's fear of rejection that comes up. And so, but then what happens, whether it be dancing in the kitchen and getting tattoos, which again is like not something to take lightly, but whatever, um, talking to the person next to you, they disprove you. They disprove your fear most times over and over and over again mm-hmm. to the point where like someone who has the nastiest resting bitch face or has like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You're a great example. <laughs> um, ends up being so warm and so kind Mm -hmm. or so like you can tell they're just touched by your vulnerability and willingness to connect that's transformational like that Mm -hmm. in itself that is the action that changes the stories and the narratives in your head like we can rewrite them ourselves but until we start putting them into practice and letting other people rewrite them for us as well like Mm -hmm. that's more powerful but you have to position yourself to do Mm -hmm. that Yeah. And most people aren't even expecting it anymore. I think a lot of us like live inside of our own heads because I think we all have that same fear of like rejection, fear, um, and judgment because like I've even noticed I am, whether I have resting bitch face or not, I I am typically a genuinely like just nice person. And if you hold the door for me, like my morals and, and values is like, you should still say thank you. Like, even if I'm having the most horrible day, like I try not to project my stuff on anyone. Um, and I've noticed the difference in like, even the baristas at Starbucks who, you know, that's one of the busiest places ever. And people are rude as fuck, especially in like Northern Jersey, New York area. They're just rude for no reason because they're all going through their own shit. And like, even just taking a minute to just like, as you're leaving the door, like just saying like, bye, have a nice day because they're typically saying bye to you. If they're busy, they're probably not, but at least at my Starbucks as they are. And like, you can almost just feel and see people do like the double take and like, you can hear the difference in their voice of like, oh, like someone actually responded to me. Someone actually said like, have a nice day too. Someone actually like was nice and like, didn't have to be because they typically aren't. And they're not complaining about something. And they're not angry at me about something that's going on in their own life. And, like, you can, if you really just, like, stop and just pay attention, so many people are so surprised by doing it. And I feel like it does actually help a lot of people pay it forward. Because when people take me by surprise like that, I'm like, oh, you know what? Like, I need to remember to be a little bit more kinder or flex that muscle that I'm like, I don't want to talk to anybody in the world today. But if I can talk to at least one person, at least I can do it a little bit more kindly. And it's just like a ripple effect of like paying it forward, like in my opinion in that. And I just wanted to point out that there's a lot of people, at least in, again, my general area who just don't expect it and are very surprised by it now. More people need to do it. It doesn't surprise me in your area, unfortunately. The Northeast <laughs> is just not, I was talking to Cameron about this yesterday on our group session. She lives in Philadelphia and 
we're just talking about how the the, the energy is different up mm-hmm. there. The warm and fuzzies and the receptiveness is a little bit more scarce. And there's wonderful, open-hearted, warm people everywhere you go, right? But mm-hmm. as like a general overtone, I mean, remember <laughs> the three of us <laughs> last time we were like roaming around Jersey? Do you remember that experience that we had? Like the way people treated us because of... Oh how jolly and bubbly <laughs> and kind we were being Every, it was very interesting <laughs> everyone was like what like just and carrie's like did i do something did i say I'm like something? wearing my yellow john lennon glasses and like bright yeah. pants and people are like this bitch <laughs> and i'm literally 15 minutes outside of new york city where like that i want to say is acceptable because it, it's not it's not that it's not acceptable anywhere right? I guess where people wouldn't like really treat you that way so you would think that because I'm so close they would it would kind of just like translate across the water but it does not like at all Carrie was just like what did I do like what did I say and I was like I didn't think you said anything and then we kind of came to terms with it that it was just Carrie being Carrie and presenting herself in the happy and joyous way that she does and just smiling because we're typically really angry people. Like we just You're not. Don't lump yourself in with that. Uh, I can be, but yeah, I typically I'm not the angriest person in the world, but it, we are different. Like has anyone ever really have you experienced Jersey drivers? Like we're we're just aggressive, maybe not angry. We're very aggressive. If you don't know how to drive, if you have a different plate on your car that's not Jersey, I don't want to be behind you. Oh, like it's it, it's a very real thing. Um, so they're just very they're very aggressive, and they were a little aggressive towards Carrie for absolutely no reason whatsoever. And it gave us even more permission to be that way, and even louder. We weren't doing anything. We weren't bothering anybody. We were literally just like smiling and being happy because like it was the three of us just connecting. And people were so bothered that three women were so happy to just be connecting and meeting and eating lunch. Like we didn't, what did we even do? We ate lunch. We walked around. We talked. But that's the thing. When you know, like, especially when you dive deeper into it and you understand the value, the true, true, like, instinctual human value of connection of exercising your creativity of Mm. playing joyously just because and you you see over and over again how that changes the way that you show up in the world and how Mm -hmm. that changes how you navigate the lows and the challenges in life it makes it a lot easier to detach from judgments and old narratives that don't align with those values Mm -hmm. you know what I mean Yeah. And it's going to trigger a lot of people around you, which is a completely different podcast for us to even record because it is going to trigger a lot of people around you. And it typically is just a reflection of them not being able to do the things that you're doing and probably secretly wanting to do it or knowing like, how do they, like, how are they able to do it? And I can't figure it out. And I'm like living in this world feeling so stuck and it can either, like we say, trigger them or it can activate them. And so it's like you owe it to yourself to do it. And then not that you owe it to anyone else too, but again, like that paying it forward and that ripple effect of the way that it it overpours 
and into other people are going to be like, okay, I was really triggered by it. And then some are going to be like, oh, I was really activated by that. I, it's I'm just gonna, how you choose to respond. Mm-hmm. I'm going to connect. I'm going to play. Maybe I'm going to go buy the fun green flowy pants, right? Like maybe that girl was so triggered by your yellow glasses and then went out and bought the same ones and put them on and was like, holy fucking shit. This is exactly what I was missing. <laughs> I love the yellow glasses so much. <laughs> like those are what I wear. No, actually, here we go. What did I say the other day on our powwow? I don't know what you said. You were wearing those. I was literally, I was not in a good mood. And I put these on and I was like, these are my good mood glasses. Like Mm. we have rose colored glasses. Life with rose colored glasses. I'm a believer in that. Like why, why would the fuck would you not wear them? Yeah. Why would you take them off? Why, why would you choose? I don't know. That's why would you choose to not have fun? You know, what came up for me when you were talking about how, you know, it can really, I like to say press buttons, like your fun and life enjoyment and being able to, um, being able to lean into that and to express that in an authentic way can push buttons for other people and put like a mirror in front of their face. You know, something that is already like popped up for me is talking about my sleep schedule and you know how I don't, I don't start like really start my day. I don't start my work day until 12 at this point, right? I sleep till nine. Moms, <laughs> moms always like to tell me that that's going to change when I have kids. It, not even knowing if I want to have kids, right? And so that's just like a prime example of what, like how it can be bothersome, how it can press buttons for people for you to like truly live authentically expressed. Mm. And that's where that's a confidence builder though. You know what I mean? Because for me yeah. to be able to like get comments like that and people kind of give me a hard time with that in my head, that goes, Oh, there we go. She thinks I'm lazy or she, she mm. thinks this, or she's just like, someone's judging me for something. And then you have the choice. Do I want to even like entertain that, th- that judgment that I just fabricated? Like she didn't say that. Like, do I want to like go ahead and pass no. that judgment on myself Or am I just going to disengage and let it go and remember what's actually important to me and how this serves me? And that's all that matters at the end of the day. And so I guess that's a good place to kind of like wrap things up and put a bow on it is when we talk about, we really ventured out today from the topic. I'm like reeling myself back in. What were we talking about? We were talking about... Burnout, burnout prevention with the fun pillars, which are connection, creativity, and play, and how you can infuse those into your lives and leverage them strategically, how we do that. And I think the most important thing when it comes down to all of it is to know that if you have a really, really hard time taking action on those things that you want to do and you and you know what would be authentic for you to express but for some reason you can't, that is your invitation to do the inner work and to get back into the subconscious part of your brain and figure out what's blocking you. There are subconscious blocks that you, that you can't see on your own, most likely, and maybe you'll find them on your own, but that's where again, professional help really comes in. So one, understanding that that is a real thing. And two, giving yourself permission to do all of those things authentically. 
Like, what would you actually really, like, what would make you feel giddy? When I changed my schedule, I felt like a little kid waiting for Christmas morning. That's how it made me feel. Like, what can you do on an average day that makes you feel like that? And then giving yourself full permission to do it just because it makes you feel like Mm -hmm. that. And when you move through life with that energy, everything is different. It changes everything. And that's, it's so worth it. It's so worth pushing past the self-judgment, judgment from others, going against the grain, doing things mm-hmm. outside the box. Do it. It's going to be, yeah. there's so much on the other side of that. And I'm going to give everyone a hint here. It's probably the things that other people are either telling you not to do or anytime that you have any feelings of like being embarrassed, ashamed, fearful, rejected. So like for me, I was like, I don't think we got off topic, but we did have to kind of wrap it up together. Like the the things that you need to be doing or not even need to be doing, but that could be the reason that you're burning out is just look at everything that everyone's telling you or that you think that they're telling you and go and do that thing. Why do you think I'm wearing my flannel right now? Tom hates this flannel. If you and guys don't know my, the backstory of the flannel, DM us. <laughs> yeah, like I'll explain it. But like, and that's why I'm wearing my flannel right now because I'm like, we're not doing a podcast. I haven't worn it in a while. I've been burnt out. I have not felt like myself in a while. Like it's almost like let me put my skin back on. So if you're having trouble finding what some of those things are, I think that's a really great place to start. Of if someone says something to you about getting the tattoos, go and schedule a tattoo. See how it feels. How perfect is it that you're wearing your flannel today? And I have not worn this flannel in months. It was at the bottom of my drawer. Tom came in right before this podcast and goes, I haven't seen that in a while. It's back. Yeah. Now watch me wear it every day on my story. I post it on my story. If, if these are Carrie's followers that are watching that don't follow me, I guarantee you, you will see me wearing this every single day for the next couple of weeks and months. And I will be posting all the DMs that I get about everyone saying, no, not the flannel. Who says that? Does anyone say that? I I have proof. I will send you <laughs> screenshots. And it is typically my friends. It is typically Tom. It, it is typically my friends screenshotting it and sending it to me and saying, there's no way you're wearing the flannel again. Didn't you wear it yesterday? I wore it on a date once and it was a really big deal. Oh gosh, we'll save that. We'll save that for the next. (laughs) All right, guys. Thank you so much for tuning in. Diane loves your flannel. Okay, so. Thank you, Diane. Diane is my biggest hype girl, okay? If Diane says it's okay, then I don't care what anybody else says. (laughs) Okay, we're, we're probably really losing the people on the podcast. Thank you guys so much for joining us on the Limitless Living podcast today. This has been super fun. If you connected with us or are curious in just learning more about how you can work with us and mindset coaching or fitness coaching, we are on Instagram and we are here to just connect with you and and take it from there. So everyone have a beautiful day and we'll see you back here next time on the Limitless Living podcast. Mm -hmm.